morning, Crossroads. Who's ready to dive in? Let's, let's do this. We're kicking off a new series today. It is called The Outsiders. And honestly, you guys, as we kind of kick off the summer in a fresh new way with this series, I want you to start thinking about what that means to be an outsider because there's kind of two different meanings to this as we think about who we are, what our mission is here at Crossroads. I mean, what we're focused on in this season in the life of our church is that we want to be inviting as many outsiders as we can to a changed life. Uh, Jesus said in Luke chapter 5, who needs a doctor, the healthy or the sick? He says, I'm here uh, to invite those who are the outsiders, to invite them to a changed life, changed inside and out. And when you realize that the outsiders are the heartbeat of Jesus, that's who he is focused on, you realize that is the mission of Jesus. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. And you guys, that's our mission too. We're here to invite as many outsiders as we can to a changed life. That is the heartbeat of Jesus. That is the heartbeat of who we are. And I want you to think about that, uh, that part of this concept as we unpack this series, because all throughout the course of history, I hope that you'll recognize this today, God has been using the outsider. He doesn't just pick, you know, the best-looking, most talented people to do the work for him. Uh, otherwise, it would just be, you know, Tom Brady and Chris Hemsworth doing everything. So <laughs> the idea here is that God from... <laughs> no, no, he, that's who would be doing it all. Uh, so <laughs> the idea is that from the very beginning, you see this all throughout Scripture, God has used the outsider. That outsider who is willing to step out in faith and change the world around them. And you guys, that's no different today for you and for me. We, at, at most times, at many times now in our culture, now become the outsider because we live in a culture that is shifting away from faith in God. And I hate that. It makes my heart heavy as I see the next generation that comes up now, Generation Z. Now the stats coming out on Generation Z is they're turning their back on, on religion, on faith in God in, in a drastic way. There's a huge shift away from God in our culture. And so what happens is it now becomes our mission to be that light that shines in the darkness. Now as we start living in a post-Christian society here in America, we start to begin to grapple with this reality that many times because of the beliefs that we have, the trust that we have and the hope of Jesus, that makes us a little bit of an outsider. And I don't want you to shy away from that. I want you to lean into that because God's been using the outsiders from the very beginning. And I want to encourage you to step out of your comfort zone, to lead the way for those around you who are desperate for the hope that we have in Jesus. Because you guys, the bottom line is this, as our culture drifts farther and farther away from Jesus and the hope that we have in him, the more desperate they are going to, to become for that very hope that we have in Jesus. And it's on us. It's on us to be that light that points people to him because now more than ever before, people need that hope. They need that invitation to a changed life. And I'm thankful that God uses the outsider. I'm thankful that God uses you and I to be part of his story and to invite others to experience this changed life. And so what we're gonna do for the next few weeks is detail a few different people throughout the, the Bible who are outsiders who God used to make an extraordinary difference in the world around them. And the first guy we're looking at is Noah. I mean... <clears throat> Everybody knows the story of Noah. God called Noah to build an ark. The old line goes, you need a boat? I know a guy. I mean, that's how that goes. You guys know that, right? That's, I know, Father's Day was last week. That was supposed to be the dad jokes. I get that. Uh, 
but that's the story, right? We all, we all recognize Noah was called by God to build this ark. This was like a, a life work. It was like a hundred year journey for him to build this ark in the middle of a desert. He did this with his sons. They were, you know, they were outsiders. They were made fun of. No one knew what they were doing. And, you know, it says that God opened up the heavens, the waters poured out, and, and God saved mankind through this ark that, that God told Noah to build. And, you know, it was traveling around, you know, on the waters, and finally the waters receded, and the boat landed over there in Kentucky. You can go see it today. And, <laughs> and <laughs> you like that one. Okay, better. Okay, I'll remember that. Uh, <laughs> And, and God used Noah, honestly, to save mankind. But even though that's the story that we're familiar with, that we're taught, you know, growing up, there's a lot more to this story than just Noah building a boat. I hope that you'll recognize today that Noah, honestly, was the ultimate outsider. And there's a lot that we can learn from his story. It says in Genesis chapter 6, the Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth and he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. I mean, this is, this is painting a picture for a world that has completely turned its back on God, okay? So the Lord was sorry he had ever made them and put them on the earth. It broke his heart. And I think that this is a, a, a big snapshot. This is a really important picture into the heart of God because I think a lot of times if you're not careful, you can look at the Old Testament and just see moments where God is angry and it looks like in the Old Testament he's just angry God and he's just pushing the smite button, right? Like smite, 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 smite. No? No one thinks that? Okay. Sometimes it can feel that way, but at the end of the day, God just isn't out there trying to look, you know, who he can punish and, and who he can judge and who he can smite. At the end of the day, when we turn our backs on God, when we walk away from the plan and the relationship that he created us for, it breaks his heart because we were created for relationship with him. And so all this comes from a broken heart of God. It says in verse 7, and the Lord said, I will wipe this human race I have created from the face of the earth. Yes, and I will destroy every living thing, all the people, the large animals, the small animals that scurry along the ground, and even the birds of the sky. I am sorry I ever made them. I mean, this is where the mind of God is. He, he is so heartbroken because of what mankind has become. He's going, you know what? <laughs> Maybe this wasn't a good idea. I'm just going to start over. And that would have been the end of the story of mankind, except for verse 8. Think about how significant this is. But Noah found favor with the Lord. Man, that's incredible. You talk about being an outsider. You talk about the ultimate outsider when every single person on planet Earth has turned their back on God, when they have grieved the heart of God so much that his heart is so broken that he's saying, I'm sorry I created mankind to begin with. It's time for a reset. When you think about the fact that that is the reality, that's the culture, that's the world that Noah was living in, that makes him the ultimate outsider. Noah found favor with God. And I want to ask this question today because this is really, really important. This question, I want you to think about this. How do I find favor with God? Because this is really important. I mean, humanity ends, mankind is over, except for verse 8, Noah found favor with the Lord. This, let's circle this, this is really important. It matters to God when we find favor with him. 
when we are willing to say, it doesn't matter what's going on around me, it doesn't matter if I'm the ultimate outsider, God, it doesn't matter what's happening in this world around me, all that matters is you. I want to find favor with you. I don't care what anybody else thinks. That's what we talked about last week. As for me and my family, I'm serving you. It's that favor that we find with God that changes everything. And I want to make sure today that we're focusing on that because I've said this a few times recently. The weight that I carry as the pastor of this church is, is the knowledge that, man, when you come out to worship at Crossroads, when you, when you come out to hear what is probably a fantastic sermon, let's be honest. Um, when you come out, <laughs> I'm having fun today. I had two Diet Mountain Dews already this morning. Um, <laughs> in case you were wondering. When you, when you come out to hear the word of God, the, the responsibility that I, that I feel and that I carry is that honestly, I'm trying to guide every single person here to that point where when you take your last breath on this planet and you are standing in the presence of God, I want you to have found favor with God. I want you to hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant, and enter into my kingdom. I, I want us to be celebrating, Crossroads family, celebrating what God has done in our lives and celebrating with all the people that we invited to join the party. That's, that's, what I, that's the responsibility that I carry with me. That's what I feel. That's the burden. And so this question, how do I find favor with God? I mean, this is a really, really important question. And I just want to think about this as we look at the life of Noah. Noah found favor with God. I mean, the reality is Noah was different, okay? And Honestly, if you're in that culture, in that world, Noah is a total weirdo. Can we just be honest? Nobody believes in God. Everybody's doing their own thing. It's a complete, like, a life in a world of total depravity. But here's Noah. He's completely different. And the, the only thing I can think of as an illustration of that is, you guys know this about me. Anytime I can, I go to my happy place. It's Clearwater Beach, Florida. That's where I like. That's my happy place. And on Clearwater Beach, about a, a decade ago now, because I'm getting old, uh, there used to be this, this street guy that would stand on, sit on the, on the sidewalk, and he just had this microphone, this weird little like mix, mix board, and he would just sit there in these weird glasses, this weird outfit, and it just said a sign, Alien Steve. That's all it said, Alien Steve. And when you walk by Alien Steve, he would just make noises, and he'd point a light at you. And he made a living doing that. I mean, that's amazing, right? Like, that's incredible. Alien Steve, he had his own Facebook page. You go on Alien Steve's Facebook. Alien Steve is a lovable alien who likes listening to music and shining his flashlight on people. Like, that dude's different. That, that's different. That, when I think of different, I think of Alien Steve. He made money doing that. That's extraordinary. Noah, <laughs> he was different. And, and you guys, as, as, we, as we do our best to follow Jesus... To, to listen to his voice, to, to be willing to at every moment say yes to Jesus. When he speaks, my answer is yes. When he calls me to step out of my comfort zone, the answer is yes. When he asks me to get rid of something in my life that's a barrier between me and my relationship with him, God, the answer is yes. If that's the cry of your heart, know this, that in the culture that we find ourselves living in today, that's becoming more and more different. And honestly, that's a good thing. The goal is that people see God moving and working in us and that our lives become a light that draws them to him because people surrounding us are desperate for the hope that we have in Jesus. And we've got to be willing to be different. We've got to be willing to let that light shine. And Noah, for, for all of the stuff that's going around him, 
he continued to be faithful to his, his relationship with God. He found favor with God, and that changed everything. You've got to be willing to be different. And what's interesting is that as it goes on to describe what that looks like, you see in Genesis 6, 9, it says, this is the account of Noah and his family. It says, Noah was a righteous man, the only blameless person living on earth at the time. Now, that doesn't mean that he was perfect, all right? It just means that he was doing his best to, to follow God, to say yes to God, to have a relationship with God, that relationship that he was created for. He was trying his best to do what was right. With Noah, it was God first. And again, that made him wildly different. And in the culture that we live in today, it's not that, you know, all of a sudden it happens, you know, in a split second, you know, the culture is suddenly taking a right turn and it's, everything changes. It's, it's slow, you know, daily choices and decisions. It's a slow drift away from the things of God. And I think a lot of times we don't recognize always what's happening or the small steps that it takes that, that take us away from the love that God has for us and the relationship that he created us for. But the more that our culture drifts, the more we're going to find ourselves being different, the more weird it's going to be that someone realizes, oh, you are trying to be righteous, you are trying to follow Jesus, you are trying to make your life about saying yes to him all the time, that's gonna become more and more different. And we don't think about it because it's a slow drift, but it happens. I experienced that in my life <laughs> a week and a half ago. I'm really hesitant to admit what I'm about to admit. I'm gonna be really vulnerable. I was signing a bunch of paperwork with a friend, and uh, we were at a table uh, at a company where they had a little jar on the table that had uh, what my friend called cheaters. And, and, and she was sitting there, and she said, oh, I'm going to use one of those cheaters to fill out this paperwork. I was like, what's a cheater? And she picked this up. She goes, these cheaters. I put these on, and suddenly I can see everything really well because I'm, I'm getting older. I'm going, oh, I don't even know what those are. So they're sitting there just kind of waiting while we're signing stuff, and I grabbed the pair, and I'm like, cheaters? What, what does that even mean? And so I put them on, and it, it was at that moment that I just went, oh, I'm blind. I, I didn't know that. That's amazing. I had no idea. I need cheaters. <laughs> Thank you. You guys are so supportive. <laughs> but who knew, right? This may be going too far. I haven't cleared this with Dana, so this is, I'm taking a risk. I took these home. Took these home. I was like, hey, Dana, you ever heard of cheaters? She's like, no. I was like, try these on. And she had the same response. She went, no! I, I'm still processing. I don't know what to do with that. I'm getting so old. Uh, <laughs> it's the slow drift, right? I, I didn't realize I needed cheater. I didn't realize I'm struggling to read because I'm going blind. I can't see. Uh, our, our cultural drift is the same way. And, and suddenly you realize that, man, by, by chasing Jesus and making him the center of my life, that really does make me different. And I think we underestimate the difference that we can make in people's lives. Don't miss this now. God has been using outsiders from the very beginning. All throughout history, he's using outsiders who are willing to step out of their comfort zone, to, to step out in faith and change the world around them. That, that's what he does. That's how he uses us. 
And so, yeah, Noah was different. His life was about finding favor with the Lord. That was a completely different life goal than anyone else on the entire planet. That made him different. And not only that, but when you see this is the account of his family, of Noah, he was righteous, the only blameless person living on earth at the time. This guy is not only different, he is actually now detached. He, he has a different set of rules that he's living by. He does not care what anybody else is doing. Like, Noah is living in a different reality than everyone else. And I want you to know today that if your pursuit of Jesus is causing you to live in a different reality. If it's, if it's Jesus first, I don't really care what anybody else is doing. I, I want to know what Jesus is doing. What is he asking me to do? What is the yes that he is calling me to? If, if that's the step that you are listening to, if that's the voice that you are listening to, and that's what's most important to you, you are going to become like Noah. You're going to be different and just detached because the rules that the world plays by, they just don't really apply to us. I don't really care what the world is saying. I don't care what all the media heads are talking about. I care what Jesus thinks. My life is about God first. I'm going to seek him first, his kingdom, his righteousness, and all these other things that will, that will work out, that will be added to you, that will fall into place. It, it's God first. That's how I find favor with God. That's how I become the person that he created me to be. That, that's how even as an outsider, I can live my life in such a way that it's a light that points people to him. And guys, that's what I want for all of us. Don't underestimate the difference that you can make just by being faithful and being willing to just say yes to Jesus. I, I'm going to go off of script here for a minute because there's something that, that hit me yesterday that I felt like I needed to share with you. And it's, it's out of 1 Peter 2, verses 9 through 12. Um, Peter's talking to the early church, and he's, he's talking about this very thing. He's saying, listen, there's people around you who don't care about the things of God. They're, they're living life their own way. It's that pursuit of power, of pleasure, possession, all of those things. He's saying, hey, you guys are different. You're called to a different standard. It, your life is about serving Jesus and becoming more like him. And so in 1 Peter 2.9, Peter just says, you are not like that. You are a chosen people. And I want you to know today that, that you are separate from the world. When you have Jesus in your life, he changes you. You are not who you used to be. Is anybody excited about that, that God changes your life? He comes in, he forgives you, he sets you free. You are set free from the hurts, the habits, and the hangups. Your life can be radically and forever changed. And so God calls us to be separate. That's not who you are, you're different. You are a chosen people. It goes on to say you are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. You are filled with his presence. I mean, what an amazing truth that is. God separates us. We are not like that anymore. We're no longer who we used to be. We are now filled with his presence. And, and why is that? It's so that we can be a blessing to the world. We can be ministers of this gospel of hope and peace and joy that God has given us. It goes on to say, as a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness and into his wonderful light. That's what we celebrate. Everything changes. And when you're committed to being different, when you're committed just recognizing, I'm an outsider, I get it, I'm different, it appears that I'm completely detached from reality around me, know this, God has separated you with his presence, he's filled you with that presence, and he's called you to be a blessing that points other people toward him. And I want you to embrace that today. Don't underestimate the significance of what it looks like in your life, in your world, to be that outsider 
who's committed first and foremost to just being that person who wants to find favor with God because that changes everything. Noah changed the course of history by being committed to finding favor with God. He was different. He was detached. Every, everyone around him was responding to things differently than he was, and it didn't matter because he had his eyes on the prize, and it's okay to be different. It's okay to be detached from that reality because those aren't the rules that we play by anymore. We're, we're different. That's not us. I, I, you've been there, right, in a position where you're different, you're a little bit detached from the reality going on. This happened to me last night. I, I don't know why I'm telling so many stories today, but this is real life. I decided, uh, here's what you need to know about me. I'm just being transparent. There's no secrets here. Uh, at 5 o'clock last night, uh, I decided, I think I'm going to go to the Billy Joel concert uh, at Notre Dame. The tickets were only 30 bucks. All of you people that bought those like two and a half years ago should have waited till yesterday at 5 o'clock. I decided I'm just gonna go unwind. I went with my sister-in-law of all people because Dana had no desire to go. My kids are like, who's that? I'm going, I don't know. I'm just gonna go see for the spectacle. So I went and I, I, know, I knew like five songs from Billy Joel. Don't judge me, I'm not that old. And so, uh, <laughs> no. Now everybody who loves Billy Joel is really offended. I apologize. Uh, so he's playing at Notre Dame Stadium last night. And, I'm that guy. I'm there just for the spectacle. I, you know, I got the feels, you know, three or four times. So like, oh, I know that song. That's a good one. But I'm that guy who started messing with the crowd a little bit because everybody, I mean, I look around and these people, there was a guy behind me in the row. He's probably about 60 years old. He had his arm around his wife and I could just see in his, his such a huge smile in his mind. He was, he was 25 years old. It was fantastic. I was like, oh, this is cool. This is great. It's taking him back to just a great happy time in his life. But I'm there going, <laughs> hey, when's he going to sing the songs from The Lion King? <laughs> when's he going to sing Rocket Man? That's not Billy Joel. That's somebody else. And I was just messing with people. <laughs> and they thought that was funny. I was very lucky. I was very lucky that they didn't, uh, you know, get upset at me. But <laughs> you know, I, I realized I'm in this crowd of people who are just really enjoying this moment. Like, it's a it's almost a spiritual moment for them, taking them back to years ago and, you know, happy moments. And I'm going, okay, this is cool, but it's not really me, whatever. And I feel like, man, this, this place that, that God has put us, man, don't ever forget that this world <laughs> is not my home. I'm, I'm passing through. We have hope for an eternal destiny. We, we have connected with Jesus and we have this mission to invite as many people to experience him as possible. And God uses the outsider. He uses us. That's what he's done all through history. He separates us. He fills us with his presence. He, he makes us a blessing to those around us. And I want you to, to lean into that. I, I love how <laughs> there's a paraphrase of 1 Peter 2. It's found in the message. Peter just writes this, you are the chosen ones of God, chosen for the high calling of priestly work, chosen to be a holy people, set apart. God's instruments to do his work and speak out for him, to tell others of the night and day difference he made for you, from nothing to something, from rejected to accepted. That's what he's done for us. And then he finishes this thought up by saying this, friends, this world is not your home. You're, you are outsiders. So don't make yourselves cozy in it. Don't indulge your ego at the expense of your soul. 
Live an exemplary life among the natives so that your actions will refute their prejudices. Then they'll be won over to God's side and be there to join in the celebration when he arrives. I just feel like that beautifully captures the essence of what we're talking about as outsiders when we allow ourselves to be a light that points others toward Jesus. In a culture that is increasingly, increasingly um, just overwhelmed by this desperate hope because there's hopelessness all around us. We can be a light that points people to the hope that we have in Jesus. And so what you see back to Noah in Genesis chapter six is the account of Noah and his family was that he was righteous. He was the only blameless person living on the earth at the time. And it finishes this thought by saying this, and he walked in close fellowship with God. I mean, that's what ties it all together because that, that close fellowship, that, that relationship with God, it's what we were created for. I mean, that is why we were created. We were created by God. We were created for God. And when you embrace that relationship with Jesus, when you say, God, I want to find favor in your eyes. God, I want to walk with you. Know this, that changes everything. That's you living with that God first mentality. God, when you speak to me, when you, when you ask me to step out of my comfort zone, the answer is going to be yes. God, when you convict me, when you tell me there's something in my life that I've been holding on to, it, it's sin, it's hurting me, and you're asking me to lay that down at your feet, I, I will repent, I will turn away from that, God. The answer is yes, I will follow you. I mean, it, it's, it's walking with God. It's that relationship with God that allows me to find favor with God. And a, a couple things that I, I just wanna hit on here is this truth that when I'm walking with God, it, it's consisting of a few things here that I think are really important. And <laughs> Noah, don't forget this, he was the only one on planet Earth who was focused on having a relationship with God. So while everybody else is partying, while everybody's doing their own thing, Noah's that guy who's different, he's detached, and at this point he's delusional, right? Because he's talking to God, and everybody's like, Noah, what are you doing? Who is this guy? He might as well have been Alien Steve, all right? He's making his boat, come get on my boat, guys. He's a weirdo, right? But he is fully embracing what God has told him to do. And so when we talk about the importance of how do I find favor with God? How do I duplicate that in my life? How do I walk with him? I think there's three principles that we see in the life of Noah that help us put that into practice in our lives. So think about this. How do I walk with God? Well, number one, I embrace God's plan and I act on it. And, and for Noah, God's plan for him was build an ark, build a giant boat in the middle of the desert. Everybody's going to mock you. Everybody's going to make fun of you. No one's going to understand what's going on. And Noah embraced that plan as crazy and as far out as that was. And I think for our lives, we've got to recognize when God is speaking to us, we have to embrace his voice, embrace that plan, and we have to be willing to take action on it. And what that means is... I have to be willing to be obedient. I mean, we talk about stepping out of the comfort zone. We talk about repenting, letting go of anything in our life that is not in alignment with who God is calling us to be. We have to be obedient and recognize that me embracing God's plan is a daily choice to just say yes to Jesus. I contend with you today, if you're trying to figure out what your purpose in life is, what does that look like? What's the plan that God has for me? I challenge you today to begin by just saying, God, whatever you're asking me to do next, the answer is yes. And if every day you just find yourself saying, God, whatever you're calling me to, the answer is yes, I'm telling you, as simple as that sounds, I think you'll look back in a month, in six months, a year, 10 years, you're gonna realize you're exactly where God wanted you to be because you were just willing to say yes. 
That's how you fulfill the purpose and plan that God has for you. Stay focused on him. Listen to his voice and say yes. And so we have to embrace that plan. It, it requires obedience. It requires values different than the world around us. It requires us to be pure. It requires us to be humble. It requires us to be generous. These are all characteristics and attributes of the life that God has called us to. And when people in our culture look around and see you living that way, yeah, you're gonna be different. You're gonna seem a little bit disillusioned and weird and detached from reality because that's not normal. Those aren't the rules that the world plays by. And yet that's the life that God calls us to, and it's life to the fullest. So you embrace God's plan and you act on it. I think number two is you act on that plan with total reliance on God. Because make no mistake, it's scary. When God calls you to do something, step out of your comfort zone, there's a reason it's called the comfort zone. I am comfortable here, right? You're calling me out of the, that's scary. I don't like that. But, you know, we talk about this all the time. There's no growth in the comfort zone, right? And there's no comfort in the growth zone. If, if you're going to grow, if you're going to become who God called you to be, you've got to be willing to act on that with total reliance on God, saying, God, if this is something that you are calling me to, you are going to call me through it. Again, I referenced this last week. I'm going to reference it again. Something that's really been just sticking with me from Psalm 23 is that even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, it says, I will fear no evil because you are with me. What I love about that is it doesn't say, even though I walk to the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear. No, God doesn't just leave you when it, you know, well, it looks pretty dark in there. You're on your own. That's not how God works. He walks through the valley with us. And so you don't have to fear. When you step out of your comfort zone, if God is calling you to that, he's with you. And so you have to act on the, that plan and you've gotta be reliant that God is with you. And when you do that, when you rely on God to show up, you step out in faith and then he is faithful because he is, that's when you experience his power. That's when you experience God doing things you never dreamed he would do. That's when you experience growth. And that's when you realize, I'm walking with God. I have a relationship with him. I have found favor with God. And I think maybe sometimes we make that harder than it is. Maybe it's overly simplified here today, but I think that if it, if it can start with just being willing to say yes to Jesus, being obedient, embracing that plan that he has for your life and acting on it, acting on that plan that he has for you with total reliance on him. God, I'm trusting you to show up. This is awkward for me. This is not comfortable, but I believe that by being obedient, you're gonna show up and you're gonna do amazing things. I think that's when we see God show up. I think that's when it comes alive and our relationship with him is exactly where he created it for us to be. And that's what I want for all of us. I want us to be living in that place where we find favor with God, where we are walking with him. And so I want to challenge you today. Crossroads, we do this every week. We, we offer an opportunity for outsiders to be invited to a changed life. And we're going to do that in just a moment because I want to make sure that everybody has a chance to have the same starting point. Because that relationship, that journey with Jesus, it begins with the first yes. It's yes, Jesus, I need you. It's putting your trust in him, saying, God, I, I believe that you are the son of God, that you are who you say you are. And I confess, Jesus, you are Lord. What an amazing truth that is in, in Romans 10, 9. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus, you are Lord. If you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Jesus paid the price for your sin. He paid the price that you could not pay 
in Jesus, you find hope for eternity. You can be forgiven, you can be set free. And, and don't miss out on this because our culture is desperate for this hope. I believe with all my heart, Jesus is the answer to everything that people are searching for. You're searching for what your identity is. You are God's prized possession. You have been made in his image. He loves you with an extravagant love. Don't ever forget that. You're looking for purpose, trying to figure out what it is that your life is all about. You have been created by God. You have been created for God. Man, give it to him. That's where you're gonna live life to the fullest. And if you're searching for hope, I want you to know that Jesus is the, the answer to your eternal destiny. He has gone to prepare a place for you. That's what he's doing right now. And when we put our trust in him and we say yes to Jesus, man, he comes in and he answers all those questions that we are desperate for. He is our hope. And so as we close today, I want to offer two things. I want to offer a chance for people to say yes to Jesus and to embrace that love that he has for you. If that's for the very first time today, embrace that and know that your life is being changed forever. And then I want to make sure that we leave today knowing that every one of us is doing our best to find favor with God, to, to be committed to walking with him. And so as we close today, I'm just going to invite you to stand. Wherever you are today, if you're in this room, if you're outside, if you're joining us in Mishawaka, St. Pete, in Nashville, wherever you are, would you stand right now? And maybe you, for the very first time, need to just say yes to Jesus. I want to make this as easy as possible for you. I want you to join all of us as we say this prayer together because the truth is at the end of every day, we all need Jesus. And so I invite you to say this prayer. Let's say this together. Jesus, I need you. I believe you are the savior of the world, that you gave your life to forgive my sins, and that God raised you from the grave so that I could have eternal life. Thank you for loving me. I am saying yes to you, Jesus. Come into my life. I will follow you. Amen. And can we give him the praise and the glory today because he is worthy. There is no one like him. He is the King of kings and he is the Lord of lords. And listen, if you've said that prayer today for the very first time, I want to invite you to come forward at the end of the service. Pastor Keith is up here. He's waving his hand. He has a Bible for you. If you're outside, Stu is outside. He's going to give you a Bible. And we want to help you take the next steps in your journey with Jesus because we believe you have been forgiven. You have set free. Everything has changed. And I want you to know that as you begin that journey by saying yes with Jesus, the challenge is for us who are followers of Jesus to keep saying yes to him every single day. And I just want to remind you today as we come to a close, God has been using outsiders from the very beginning of time to step out in faith and change the worlds around them. And the mission that we have is no different. And I believe with all my heart that if we're going to find favor with God, like Noah did, that that all is contingent on us being committed to walking with God. And so, crossroads. Can we just leave today committing, God, I'm going to walk with you. Because it's easy to drift, right? It's easy to allow distractions to take our focus off who God is, the, the love that he has for us, the life that he's calling us to live. Maybe today is that refocus. Maybe you've been ignoring um, a voice that God has been speaking to you with, that conviction of the Holy Spirit, and you're realizing, I've been fighting and there's a couple areas in my life, Jesus, where I just need to say yes. My prayer today is that we leave the day making that renewed commitment. God, I'm going to walk with you, making it the desire of our heart that we are going to find favor with God. So can we close in prayer today, just praying that prayer together? God, I just want to thank you today for, for meeting us here. 
for filling us with your spirit, God, for, for separating us from the world around us and, and blessing us, God, to, to, to be a blessing to those around us. What an amazing life that we are able to live, God, knowing that we can fulfill this purpose and this plan that you created us for. God, we can walk in the hope that only you can give us. And God, help us to embrace that. Help us to not be distracted by all the things of life, but to be focused on who you are, to the voice that you have, that you are speaking into our lives, and just to be willing at, at every moment, God, just to be able to, to say yes to you. God, it's my goal that we would leave the day finding favor with you. And I ask God that you just give us the strength and the courage to do whatever it takes to, to walk with you today, tomorrow, this week, for the rest of our lives. God, may, may the heartbeat and the cry of our heart be that we want to serve you. And so God, give us your strength, give us your courage. We love you and we praise you. We pray this in your name today. And together we say, amen.